Welcome back to another episode of Book Chats. This is Katie. Thank you so much for tuning back in. Um, It's going to be a solo episode today. Um, McKenna is still on vacation right now, and so I'm going to be doing this one alone. First off, I hope you all have had a wonderful, wonderful week and are enjoying your weekend. No episode last week because I was uh, sick as a dog again. I swear this year I've just been so freaking sick so often. (laughs) Like March and April, I think I was sick three weeks out of those two months, which may not seem like a lot, but compared to the amount that I used to get sick like once or twice a year, it it was, it's just not been fun. Um, on to the idea of books, which we, you know, that's what we're here for. I'm going to be talking about a book I recently read and fell in love with, and that's going to be the basic topic of this episode. I really wanted to dive deep into this book, something we've never done on this podcast, and do kind of an analysis of the characters, what the author was trying to portray, uh, just a little background. And the book that we're going to be going on is Honey Girl, written by Morgan Rogers. So I recently read Honey Girl about two weeks ago, and I kind of went into this book thinking it was going to be like a fun, flighty kind of romance style, and I fell in love. Um, One thing that I really appreciated was that this book was not just a romance. I don't even know if you could categorize it as being romance. Like there is romance in it, but the main character and focal point of the story is not on romance. Okay, so Honey Girl. What is Honey Girl? Honey Girl is a story about a young woman named Grace Porter. Grace Porter is an African-American woman. Um, she's our protagonist. She's an astronomer. She has her PhD. And she just graduated from getting her doctorate, right? Okay, so she has been going hardcore for the past basically 11 years, studying viciously to get this phenomenal degree and trying to chase after this goal. Why is she chasing after this goal? Okay, so this introduces our other characters in our story of Honey Girl. Honey Girl is built upon Grace Porter, who's our protagonist, but also Grace Porter's father, who's called Colonel. And Colonel is a very, very black and white character. Colonel is her father, and he, even though he's her father, she calls him Colonel, you know? It kind of gives a broad overview at the beginning of how Grace's parents split up when she was a young girl. She grew up in Florida on an, growing up in like an orchard. So her mom owns this plot of land in Florida with this huge orchard. And she remembers, Grace remembers going out and helping her mom harvest the oranges when it was that time of year and taking them to the market and selling them. Okay. And her dad and her split up. So you have this her dad, who's like super freaking black and white, right? Like, you know, back like when that, the whole thing was like the, the, uh, the dress, like, is it white and gold or is it black and blue or what, whatever the F it was, even if there was scientific 
reasoning as to why different people with the light hitting it could see two different types of colors on that dress. Colonel is the kind of person who would only acknowledge that the way he saw it was the right way. Even though that there was this opposing view that was just as correct and just as valid, that doesn't mean anything. Okay? So dominant, domineering, but also kind of stupid in a, a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, just those, just very black and white. I'm sure you know someone who's very black and white. I do. I have several family members who are very black and white. Like, they see the world as it is. And if you do not agree with them, you're wrong. And no matter what you have to back up why you think the way you do, you're wrong. Okay? Colonel is a super strict guy. Uh, Basically, Grace grew up on a base for a large majority of her life, okay? An army base. Um, And it shows that her dad is like this meta... He's part of the army, but in the medical ward part. So he's he's also a doctor, but like in the medical field, okay? Not in astronomy. (laughs) So Grace's dad, Colonel, he is pushing her throughout her entire life to go for her doctorate in medicine. And Grace, the more she goes through school, doesn't want to go to medical school. Like, that's just not what her passion is. So since her dad is forcing her in a way that she has to go to school for this one specific area for her doctorate, she switches it over and says that she's going to go full force into astronomy after she takes this intro to astronomy class her freshman year of college like when she's getting her gen eds out of the way she takes this class she falls in love with it she falls in love with the professor and the way that it's taught and the beauty that there is art and love in space and in science okay flash forward to the present and grace is graduating from college and with her doctorate mind you and her father walks out of the auditorium and she he's angry and so grace thinks that her father no despite the fact that she has worked her ass off her ass off for years he walks out angry and is not there to support her on one of the biggest moments of her life okay getting your doctorate is a huge deal okay and so and grace is also she has the personality she's a single child okay that's another important factor single child right and so Morgan created this character who's a single child and so she's a perfectionist and she wants to please her dad because her dad has always taken care of her and she wants his approval, needs his approval so much because she has lacked the kind of affection she has needed her entire life. Her mom kind of goes on these adventures all the time, kind of that eat, pray, love personality where she's always on an adventure or quest to find herself and find her inner peace, but never has that involved Grace. And so Grace feels very disconnected from her mother. Like in the book, it clearly shows that her mother loves her, especially at the beginning. Like it shows that she's there, but in a very disconnected, abstract way. Okay. It's just like not having a parent around and she'll like call her mom and her mom will be like in Germany at like this wine festival. And I'll be like, okay, like that's cool. But why? She can just never settle. And it's not because she has the adventure. It's because like there's this restlessness that lives inside of her mom. And this story 
chooses, that's the framework of Grace's family, okay? And I think it's really important to understand the structure of Grace's family because her family is what shaped her. It's interesting. It kind of goes into the whole like nature versus nurture. And I think for Grace, nature, the argument of nature definitely wins out in who she is as a person up to the point where she starts to figure it out for herself. She's a 31-year-old woman, yes, but she has devoted herself so much to her academic life that she has not had an introspective moment to be like, do I even want to be getting a doctorate degree? I know I love astronomy, but do I even see myself with a career in astronomy? Is this something that I want? Is this something that I feel like I'm pressured into? Is this the only way that I feel like I am going to be accepted and loved by my family? Do I get a say in this or am I just doing what I've always been told is the right way? So those are some interesting kind of things that Morgan Rogers uh, intertwines into her story as as it begins. Okay. And it really sounds very dramatic and it is, but it's not a hard read. We get a little bit of background on Grace's family, which I think is very important before we talk about the next, next part of the book. Okay. Okay. This part is one of my favorites. It's when after Grace graduates, her stepmom, because her dad has remarried, her stepmother has gifted Grace as a gift for finishing her doctorate, a trip to Las Vegas covered with like, I think two other tickets. And Grace right now lives in Portland, Oregon with her father and well, not with her father, but close proximity to her father. Okay. So she takes her two besties who she's living with, their roomies, and they go to Las Vegas. And Grace Porter is a very well thought out person. Like Grace is a planner. She likes to plan things. She is one of those people who would have an itinerary for an outing. Okay. So what she did for this trip. Okay. But there is this moment that Grace, right before this trip to Las Vegas, Grace has this big interview with a school and it's whether or not she's going to be taken in part of their research team for astronomy. Okay. And I think it's really important right here to note that Grace is part of the LGBTQ plus community. Okay. So, and she's been very adamant throughout her college years to be vocal, to be an ally, to be part of groups that promote awareness and support. And so she is very vocal about that. And she herself is a black woman. Okay. And she's going into this field that no one looks like her. No one no one looks like her. And especially the fact that she's also part of the LGBTQ plus community. So she goes into this academic interview where they are hounding her, not even on her academic research that she has, you know, she's written this huge, huge proposal that they're, they're just hammering on her. Like you wouldn't have gotten your doctorate unless you had very well done your thesis and your, you know, your, oh God, I can't remember what the project is called if <laughs> I'm sitting here like oh you know that thingy that you have to do and write and come up with and then you know like cross-examine all these resources and then have all these professors like analyze um yeah I really don't remember what that's called but anyway so Grace is in this interview and it's a bunch of middle-aged white men 
who are asking her all these questions and they're basically telling her that they just don't know if they really see her as part of their culture because the culture of their team just you know and so she gets so frustrated through this interview because not only are they questioning her intelligence like the fact that she as a black woman could get to the place where she could even be in the position of having this job they start attacking her sexuality her just everything about her and so she walks out of the interview because she's done and this is the part where i'm like girl you have balls because if it was me i probably would have just started like crying because I would have been so angry or I would have like just started cussing someone out. I feel like walking away was probably one of the the smartest decisions you could do in a situation like that. You know what I mean? Like be the bigger person, even though you don't have to be the bigger person. When someone is an asshole, you do not need to be the bigger person. Stand up for yourself. So she walks out of this interview. Okay. And then she leaves on this trip to Las Vegas with her two best gals. Okay. So she's in Las Vegas and she's you know, she just wants to let loose. And so she gets the drunk and she meets this girl at a club and they're dancing. And then, and then she gets like really drunk. And then the girl and her kiss and they're holding hands. And then she wakes up in a bed the next day and there's a note next to her bed and she's wearing a wedding ring. This is where it gets hella good. Okay. So she wakes up. There's this note from this girl named Yuki Yamamoto. And it basically says, like, we got married last night, lol, Vegas. And it's like a, her business card on the opposite side. So it has like her phone number and where she works, right? So she, it's basically like you were, she says something about like you being like embossed in like the sunlight and you look like honey so I'm going to call you honey girl because she couldn't remember her name because they were drunk when they met and so Grace wakes up and she has a wedding ring on and she now has a wife somewhere out in the world who lives on the other side of the country okay New York City and so Grace is like oh my god what the did I just do like completely out of character she doesn't remember like if anything else happened like she just is very drunk and every the night is is filled with this haze but also like this light because everything that she thinks of she was like that was should have been a dream like i cannot believe that that was actually reality so the story is never it never once is like oh my god she's married she ruined her life oh my fucking god like what is she gonna do No, she's like, oh, okay, she's married. (laughs) Like, oh, that's just another thing people do. She's married now. Okay, cool. Um, Nice tax break. Cool. Okay. Like, and I kind of really appreciated the lightness that they took of that because I grew up in, like, if you even are thinking about dating someone, you better be thinking about marrying them, which is just so stupid. Like, I don't really want to go on a side tangent, but I kind of do. If you're dating someone, you should just be able to have flexibility and room to date them and talk to them and figure out who the hell they are without putting all this pressure on you and them to live up to this idea or standard in your head because like most marriages don't work out. So 
why rush into it? You know what I mean? Like, maybe you should make sure you know who you're marrying, talk to them, figure out what they actually believe, what they think, what is important for you for them to think and believe, and not for them to be like a clone, but you know what I mean? Like, everyone has things that they can deal with and what they can't deal with. You need to figure out what you want to deal with and what you don't want to deal with. All unhealthy things. So, Grace goes back to Portland, and... She goes back to her roommates and she's scared to tell anyone she hasn't told anyone that she's married because she's scared because Grace puts her actions to her value 100%. Like she cannot distinguish her value apart from her actions. So she, if she did something that she sees as a mistake, she thinks it's a character flaw. Whereas it could just have been like, oh, you just kind of did something dumb but that doesn't mean that you have any less value or are diminished as a person. You know what I mean? Grace is, Grace is mentally unwell. It also like talks about like her, when she gets really anxious, like she has an anxiety problem, 100%. And she'll like pick at her, her wrists until they're like scratched and then they bleed. And her, one of her roommates is actually like a nurse who works certain nights like on the psych ward and that's how they met their other roommate so they're all very intertwined and it's really great because I feel like the author talks about and writes about their sexuality really well because she never this is what I really enjoyed books especially recent books there's never like this phenomenal impact that like oh they're coming out it's just like they are what they are and it's just written in and intertwined it's the same thing like if you were writing about a straight man who like started dating a woman like it wouldn't be like he's straight da, 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 and then you keep writing and just be like he saw her attractive and their eyes met and there was butterflies in her chest or something like that where it's not like a coming of age book where like you have to come out they are already out they've already acknowledged their sexuality and so it's not like this huge focal point I hope that makes sense. And this is like an adult book. So it would make sense. That isn't a main point. But it is a point that it's still their sexuality is important. After Grace goes back home to Las Vegas, after a couple of weeks, she's really struggling with her mental health. And she works in this tea shop where she's really close with the family. And they own the tea shop. And the dad who owns it, his wife passed away like a year ago and he has two kids a daughter and a son and grace is best friends with both of them she calls the brother her her older brother as well and the girl like her sister and she watches out for them and they watch out for her and their relationships are really like that of siblings and i loved that because i have a lot of siblings and so seeing that displayed in a book with characters who are not actually biologically related i thought it was so sweet it goes with the whole, uh, the other idea and concept that you get to choose who your family is. You know, sometimes our families are not loving. They're not accepting. They do not see us as whole people unless we live or go by what they think is correct. But we can find our own family. And I love how this book displayed that. Another reason, like, it just hit home for me, like, really hard. And man, I've never cried on the podcast before, but I might when I start talking more about the elements of family and mental health and the fact that Grace knew she was not well, but she was so scared to come out and talk about it because she didn't know what to say. And so her friends who she lives with, she finally confessed up that she is married and has a wife out there. 
and her wife Yuki Yamamoto is a radio host. I read an article that described Yuki Yamamoto as a manic pixie dream girl and I think it kind of fits but also not because she's real and she isn't there to make someone else be better. Like she's not there to make Grace find her way in a sense kind of. So Yuki Yamamoto is super awesome. She has her own radio show at New in New York City at it's like a 12 a.m. one. It's called like All the Lone for All the Lonely Creatures. And each night she goes on or like weekly, whatever. They didn't really just explain that part, but she goes on her show and she talks about myths and legends and history and how it relates to our lives in a really beautiful, beautiful way. Like that was probably one of my favorite parts of the book when Morgan wrote about all of these myths. Like there was this one that um, Yuki had a show on. It was about sirens and how sirens were calling out to the men on the waters when they went really deep in the ocean. And it was talking about how like sirens are seen as like these really dark evil beings and how a lot of monsters and like old folk tales and histories are women who like have turned evil but are still like this feminine thing calling out to all of these other souls and she was talking about everyone is kind of capable of evil and maybe we're all a little bit of monster inside and it was so so good I love that part so Grace and her friends listen into one of the shows that Yuki put on and Yuki basically is like at the end she's like I hope the special listener is tuning in tonight honey girl if this is if you're out there I've been thinking about you and like your your son kissed hair and I wonder if you've been feeling the pull to me as I have been to you. Grace has, ever since she's been home, she hasn't been able to stop thinking about Yuki and the fact that she wants to go see her wife. Like, they don't know each other, but she wants to know her and she she loves her radio show and she's like, this girl is kind of the shit, you know? So she calls her after that show from the business card she gave her and they text and then they call and then, then Grace decides she's going to go to New York and stay with Yuki. She's going to stay with her wife. She pitches it to her dad as like, oh, there's this research opportunity in New York, so I'm going to go and do this research opportunity, blah, blah, blah. So she goes to New York, right? In New York, she finally meets up with Yuki. And oh my God, Yuki has these three roommates who are Ben. When I read that, I was like, oh my God, another trope. I am all for it. I don't know if there are any New Girl fans out there, but this trope I am all for after watching New Girl. Like, I am a fan. After watching Zoe Deschanel interact with three men and, like, it'd be so cute and basically, like, sibling but also sexual, I was like, oh my god, yes. So Yuki is a lesbian woman and all of her roommates are gay men. (laughs) So two of them are a couple and then one of them is not. And so Yuki um, basically welcomes grace into her home with her you know her roomies also i don't know if i've mentioned this the reason why she cannot tell colonel let alone that she got very drunk in vegas because that would be super disproving colonel has also been funding her schooling and part of her rent because she's working at a tea shop and working so hard so there's that so she's scared to tell him because she doesn't she doesn't want more judgment because Right now, she has been going, again, so hard for so long at school, worked her ass off to be the top of the top, the best of the best. Like she, it says several times, like she felt like she had to work twice as hard to get the same opportunities 
as like a white woman or a white man. And sometimes even that wouldn't be good enough to get her acknowledged. And so privilege comes up in this book. Race comes up in this book. Sexism, homophobia, all comes up in this book in really, really good ways. Grace is visiting Yuki. Yuki wants her to come to one of her shows. Like, even though she's recorded it on the radio, she wants her to see, like, where she works. So they go together to one of her shows, and Grace watches Yuki record and kind of switch on from this super kind of hardcore edgy personality which she is they describe her as having like this straight like bob black hair with straight bangs across the septum piercing and like cute tattoos like cutie patootie and she's like five four or something so like she's not tall she's adorable and then you've got grace whose dad is black her, her mom is white and so her hair is this honeycomb hair yuki loves her hair and she calls her honey girl for that and she does this episode about, this is where she does the episodes about the sirens. And then she starts talking about, you know, just love and life and how it intertwines. And Grace becomes like infatuated with her even more. And it's like, oh my God, she is so cool and smart. And the way that she can just apply real life situations to myths is so cool. So it basically just lets their relationship kind of form together. And what I thought was so cool is that not once they were like, this was a mistake. I never should have married you. Oh my God. That was like, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. No, they were really cool about it. And they really liked each other and they thought they were cute. Like I liked it because they were like, yeah, we wouldn't have gotten married unless we wanted to, even though they were drunk. So they basically are like falling in love. It shows that like Grace is just so happy to have a break from feeling like she has to be the best of the best of the best and a perfectionist. And when she finally starts to slow down, we start to see her wellness unravel. She feels guilty about being in New York, but she also wants to stay in New York with Yuki and like explore their relationship further. And she's there. I think it covers her being there for like a month, a month and a half. And Yuki really wants her to be a part of her life and to explore career options in New York City because she loves her and they were like, they love each other and they're married and they don't want to get divorced. And it's like, okay, well, if we, you know, might as well. We see that Grace has a really hard time straying from her original life plan and it kind of starts to kill her we see that in a way so after she gets an email from her advisor which tells her that a there is another research opportunity from the same company that she walked out of the first interview that she got another interview with them or there's a teaching opportunity at a university right outside new york she always has liked the idea of becoming a professor, but she's never given it too much thought because it wasn't the best of the best of the best in her mind. And she's like, I have this doctorate and I'm not really doing anything with it right now. So she's feeling this pull from like her dad who wants her to like go after this dream. And he's like, you've done all this work. Now you need to go hard into the career field. And she's like, I need a break. I need a break. So she is fighting against her dad and also herself and everyone around her. She no longer has the tools she needs in order to be okay anymore. Like she doesn't know what she wants out of life. She doesn't know 
what kind of decisions she needs to get in a better place. She doesn't know whether she wants to stay in astronomy and get a career, and she doesn't know if she wants to stay married to Yuki at this point. So she and Yuki, it's on Grace's birthday. Yuki and her have this fight where Grace tells her that there's this opportunity to take a teaching job in New York. And Yuki's like, oh my God, that's amazing. Like you're thinking about going into teaching. I think that would be such like, a cool move. And she's like, I can't do it. And Yuki's like, okay, why? And she, and Grace's logic is that it's not the best of the best universities. And therefore I'm a porter and porters only do the best. I have to be the best. I am the best and I will have to be the best. Again, with like that whole perfectionist mentality. And Yuki's like, so you're going to go back to Portland? What was, what was the summer? Was it just like a little stepping stone on your great plan? That's really unfair to me because we're married and I thought that this was a really great opportunity for us to get to know each other and whether, knowing whether we work together or not and whether we would like love each other and want to be together. And she's like, I want to be with you. And Yuki gets really vulnerable and is like, I want to be with you. And Grace basically kind of just shuts down. Like she wants to be with Yuki, but she does not have the tools in her tool chest to be like, you know, that's great. I need to think about this. I might need to pivot. Yuki leaves that night because she's mad. She leaves the apartment and goes to her job. And Grace doesn't say anything and just packs up and leaves. She calls her mom. And it's like, hey, are you in Florida? Because you never know where mommy, mommy Porter is because mommy Porter likes to eat, pray, love her life. So she calls her mom. Her mom is in Florida because it's close to orange harvesting time. And she's like, hey, I need to come down to Florida. I need to, I need, I can't go back to Portland. I can't stay in New York. I haven't told you the actual reason why I'm in New York. And I, I, I like, I need to, I need to come. And so her mom was like, okay, come on down. There's like always a place for you. So she goes to Florida, right? Gracie girl goes to Florida. She gets there. Her mom's boyfriend picks her up and drives her back to like the house. And her mom tries to get her to open up and she won't. And she's like, okay, I'm going to give you your space. Tonight we can drink and tomorrow we can be honest. How about that? And she's like, okay, that sounds great. So Grace spends the night and she turns her phone off. She isn't responding to any of her friends who have been like super worried about her and doesn't respond like Yuki sends her this text and it's really really heartbreaking because Yuki is so hurt by what Grace has done but Grace is not in a mental space where she can respond so she just turns her phone off like I I okay in this point in the book I related to Grace so fucking hard because I was like there have been so many moments where my natural tendency to deal with conflict is to just fucking hide from the world and deal with it on my own because hashtag no one understands me you know like I'm not like other girls (laughs) oh my god okay so but Grace she is like that like she is struggling the next morning she wakes up and she tells her mom I got drunk buried in Vegas I was in New York all summer long to visit my wife and I fell in love with her and then she starts talking about all the academia issues and basically like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do to turn to. I don't know if I'm making a huge mistake. I don't know why I went to grad school in the first place. Like, I don't even know if I like astronomy that much. Like, I just picked something because I was so obsessed 
with being this thing that I thought I needed to be to to feel good about myself and to be happy. And now that I'm here and I do not feel those things, I don't know what to do. Like, and it's not even like she's like, okay, let's pivot. She's just 100% lost. And her mom tells her, she's like, hey, my boyfriend knows a lot of really great people who know a lot of really great people who are therapists. Maybe you can talk to someone. And then we see Grace in Florida go through therapist after therapist after therapist until finally she finds a fit for her who can relate to her on racial issues. So she looks like her on sexual issues and on emotional issues and who can help her have the tools she needs in order to be okay and to be mentally well. I love that this book tackled productivity culture and mental illness in this way because it shows this 30-something-year-old woman who we're told as young adults that if you just keep going the academic route, you're going to get your shit together and you're going to find this great career and you're just going to be in love and it's going to work out and da 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 but you just got to keep working your ass off and don't question anything, just just follow the system. And we see in the story that Grace has done that and she's still not okay and not well and not happy. And then we start to see her go to someone and just take a step back. Like she's living on a orchard, (laughs) you know, like she's going to a farmer's market and selling oranges for several months and she still has her phone off. So she has no connection to the outside world and she's just focusing on getting well. And I cried because so many times when we feel like we need to just like churn off the world, in a sense, I think we do, but not in the way that our natural instincts tell us. Like for me, my natural instincts would tell me that I need to close off and keep myself guarded and to be defensive and to not let my walls down. And in the story, we see that Grace had similar issues. Like she's so anxious and she has all this anxiety about the world and she feels like she's not good enough and that her worth is only dependent on what she does and how she presents herself. We see her go to therapy and get on medication and be someone who gets better and is still a whole person. Like just because she's on med anxiety medication and goes to see a therapist two times a week doesn't mean that she's not a good person and doesn't mean that she's not a smart, hardworking person. And then we start to see this resolution with her and her dad. She calls her dad one day because she opens up to her mom about how her mom not being there for her affected her negatively as well. And her mom sees that and she apologizes and acknowledges and takes ownership of the hurt she caused Grace. And I cried at that part because if you have a parent who has hurt you and has neglected you and you tell them about it nine or ten times in personal experiences and those I know, they do not take ownership. It's they're the victim. And because they're the victim, that's why they did that. And you should just get over it because they didn't know any better. And in this story, we see a really beautiful, really, really beautiful moments with Grace and her mom and how her mom sees that what she did hurt Grace. And she's like, you're right. 
I did not know how to care for you when I was doing all these things to try to figure out who I was. She said, but I needed to have because that was my job as your mom. And I failed a lot in that. And so we see a lot of healing with Grace and her mom. And then a lot of healing happens with Grace and her dad. Like they have these conversations where Grace tells her dad, you didn't listen to me. I said I needed a break. I am not okay. Like I am in therapy. I'm seeing someone. I have my anxiety medication I'm on and I cannot be in a relationship with you right now that is fully open. Like setting boundaries, being healthy and her dad apologizes. And then we see him start to kind of also soften and explain to Grace that he loves her and is proud of her. And he opens up like there's this one part when he talks about that at her graduation, when he walked out, it wasn't because he was angry at her and was disappointed. It was, it was like this part. He said that he looked around the room and saw all these parents of the students who are graduating with their doctorates talking to all the faculty and all of them were white and all of them had an end. And he said, if you had gone into medicine, he said, I know people, I would have been able to get you those connections. It wouldn't have been this hard. He's like, but you chose something that I knew from the moment you chose it, it would be so hard for you because you are an outlier. You are not someone that they want to let in, not someone that is commonly in this field. So it's not going to be in any form or asset easy. And that part also broke my heart because I'm white. (laughs) So seeing how privileged I am, I am so privileged. I've never been in a situation where I'm like, wow, I I always felt like I had to work my ass off because I, I relate a lot to Grace Porter and the fact that she feels like she has to be the best of the best in order to be acknowledged and recognized to get to where she wants to go or else she's not going to be taken seriously. But I've never had to do it because of what I looked like. So that just like brought a lot of compassion to my heart and so much sadness because that's not how the world should work. It shouldn't be like that. Like my friends who are of different ethnicities should not feel like they have to bust their asses off because they're that ethnicity. That's the stupidest shit ever. It's so, uh, I mean, that's another rant, but it's just, it's so stupid. 100%. And I hate that, that about that. It's just the stupidest thing. Um, so Grace, Grace's mom gets engaged to her boyfriend and they get married and they ask grace to officiate the wedding and this is like the first big thing grace has done since going to therapy and getting on medication she's communicated with her friends finally what was going on and let them back in and told them i am so sorry i have been a bad friend i want to be there for you and i am going to be there for you because now i know that i need to take care of myself and now i am able to take care of other people because when she was so mentally ill she realized like how much she had neglected her friendships that was another beautiful thing that i I thought that morgan addressed in this book so well the fact that you have to take care of yourself if you are not functioning well mentally and you are not going to be at a capacity where you can take care of others well like it's just not It's just not going to happen. And so when you can address that you need help and that you're unwell, you can finally start to be there for the people you love. And her seeing that and being proud of herself for being able to take those opportunities to listen to her friends, I just was like, yes, 
go grace oh my god and that so she officiates the wedding right she officiates the wedding and it's so good she's a queen she's a badass queen and then like she goes outside after the wedding because her friend's like oh i think we need to go get more champagne and then one of her friends like no i think you should go get it grace and her other friend was like wait why and she's like no 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 let grace go get it so grace goes out past the outside wedding tent wherever the reception's being held after the wedding ceremony and she hears something over by a tree in the orchard and so she goes over there and she sees yuki her wife and they stand there and they reconcile and grace finally admits that she messed up and everything that she had been feeling and thinking and she was like it was not you i love you i i was not well i didn't know what i was doing i was putting all of this emphasis on this career that i actually don't even want and i was so scared of you because because you're brave and you go for things and you believe in monsters and and then yuki Oh, it's just like this beautiful reconciliation where Yuki like listens to her and sees that Grace really was unwell. And she's so proud of Grace for getting well and better. And then they're able to finally talk about themselves as a whole. Like they address that each of them had their own shit and they needed to take care of their own shit before they could come together and be a couple. And then it ends with them like kissing and grace deciding that she's going to move with yuki to new york and get a job as a teacher at a, like at a university this book like i gave it five out of five stars it and that's why i'm saying it's not it's not just a romance it was so good i everyone should read it i know it's not everyone's cup of tea but it's so much built into this sweet story with tropes and kind of some cliches but it's so wholesome and it's so meaningful and i haven't seen a lot of representation like that in literature at all like up until recently i haven't seen a character as flawed who just like isn't able to do anything like i've read a lot about like characters who are mentally unwell but they're like just like still like busting their asses and like it's fine like grace is just to the point where she cannot do anything anymore incapacitated she cannot do anything anymore and I related so much to that because I'm not going to like, you know, I'm not going to give them my life of mental illness and all that. But if you're someone who has a mental illness, seeing yourself represented in a book so well as a, as an adult, not like a YA, you know, where they're in middle school and they're figure out that they're depressed kind of thing. Those are so great. And I love those, but having representation as an adult, it just, even though it's a fictional book, it gives so much validation. It gives words to feelings that you may not have known before. And I think that's really important and really beautiful. So thank you. That's all I have for Honey Girl. I really am interested to know if you have read this book, what your thoughts were. Because even if you didn't like it, I want to know, like, what did you like? What did you not like? My one complaint was that it wasn't long enough. Like, I wanted it to be like 300 pages longer. I wanted to read about Grace and Yuki forever. But alas, Morgan Rogers did not do that. So we have to do 
feel the cards have been dealt. Thank you, book friends, for listening to this review of Honey Girl by Morgan Rogers. If you would like to follow us on our socials, our bookstagram page is on Instagram at Book Chats Podcast. We have a link tree page in our bio where you can follow McKenna's personal Instagram my Instagram, our anchor page. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or more. And I am just so appreciative of this audience. Like every time I see how many listeners we have, it just, I'm like, oh my God, I never thought we'd have this many people. Like I thought only like maybe my, I would listen to it, you know, like when you're listening back to make sure you didn't sound like an idiot. But yeah, I'm so grateful. This means so much to me. I love talking about books. It's just one of the It's one of the best gifts of this world, literature, and the power of words and being able to communicate effectively with a large array of words or a small array. And I'm so glad there are people out there who still read. I'm so grateful. I think I just need to stop there. I'm so grateful. Good night, y'all. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Lots of love. (laughs) 